Hello and welcome to NAB Security Podcast. I'm Tara for Enterprise Security and this series has been created to discuss security issues that might impact you, our customers. We speak with experts on a range of security topics to share environmental insights and tips on how you can keep yourself, your family and your business safe. Today's security topic is ransomware, which continues to be a prevalent threat globally and domestically. And in Australia, we need to be aware of what does this threat look like, as we are definitely not immune. Today, I have Abigail Bradshaw, head of the Australian Cyber Security Centre, and David West, NAB's head of cyber defence. And we've put a little bit of a challenge out to these two technical experts as we run through and look to define and understand ransomware better, that they're not going to use any technical acronyms. They're going to use really colloquial language that all non-tech and tech people will be able to understand. So it's going to be a really great conversation. So um, David, we might just jump in with you first of all. Can you just give us a bit of an understanding of what exactly is ransomware? Thanks, Tara. Great to be on the podcast. And I love your challenge around avoiding cyber jargon. I'll certainly do my best. Uh, Ransomware is a type of malware or virus that encrypts the files on your computer, effectively making them unusable. And after your files are encrypted, a ransomware attack is is accompanied by an extortion demand requiring a payment to um, to restore access to your files. And that payment's often required to be paid in, uh, in Bitcoin. To make matters worse, what we're also seeing now with these attacks is the ransomware will also steal the files off your computer and your network and then threaten to publicly release them if you don't pay the ransom. This is another really effective way to pressure victims to pay the ransom and blurs that line between a ransomware attack and a data breach. And a data breach can have a lot of other implications like regulatory reporting obligations, for instance, depending on the data type, for example, privacy type data. in other cases, we're seeing cyber criminals also uh, using a denial of service attack to also pressure victims to to pay the ransom by forcing them offline. And the denial of service attack is a is a method to overwhelm a company's website, for example, to take them off the internet. So these cyber criminals are really ruthless. And in some cases, even if you you know you pay the ransom, the victim's data is is published on the internet anyway. Sounds like that would be really impactful for uh, the victim in that situation, David. It seems like a new term to me. It's and maybe something that's a new type of criminal activity. Can you give some insight on how long criminals have been using ransomware as a technique and how it how you've seen it evolving? Sure, uh, ransomware ransomware's been around for a little while. But we've really seen it merge and continue to evolve since around 2013. And really the past you know, three to five years, it's just exploded and it's costing people and businesses billions of dollars every year. In the early days, ransomware was targeted at individuals with, with small demands of maybe $100 or so to restore access to your files. But in recent years, ransomware operators have realised there's a lot of money to be made with this business model, and in particular targeting businesses. And we're seeing an escalation in the volume of ransomware attacks and also an increase in the payment demands. The average, the average demand last year in US dollars was, um, was around $234,000. And that's continuing to trend up. Last month, in fact, we saw one cybercrime cyber gang uh, demand $50 million from a victim organisation. Uh, and the size of that demand is typically dependent on the size of the business and an assessment by the attacker on how much the victim can pay. And that $50 million number was the largest we've seen and there's no uh, 
uh, no confirmation it was actually paid by the by the victim organization so it's it's a big business with ransomware operators offering very sophisticated uh, business models and affiliate business models where they are effectively running a ransomware as a service operation and by that what I mean is the ransomware developers lease the ransomware to others in the same way that legitimate software developers might lease their cloud service uh, uh, to, to others. And this model really lowers the barrier for criminals without much technical knowledge to launch ransomware attacks just by signing up for a service. And these operations are proper businesses in and of themselves. They can include 24 by seven support, forums for user support, um, reviews, profit sharing, they're very efficient business models uh, and they've been very successful in monetizing their operations. The victims can be individuals like us, like yourself, like me, but, but also you know, quite commonly, as I said, businesses small and large. The, the operators behind these campaigns, that they're indiscriminate in terms of who they target. Um, and, and that's a really important point. A lot of people might think, a lot of businesses might think, well, I'm not a target. Why would anyone go after me? Well, these guys don't discriminate. They go after anyone. We've seen all industries targeted from finance to manufacturing, universities, even hospitals during the pandemic last year. The point is everyone's a target and the weaker your security posture is, the more likely you are to get, to get targeted. And the costs associated with, you know, are not just the payment, there's cleanup costs to safely restore services because um, these, these uh, attacks can be very impactful and can grind you grind your business to a halt. Some massive impacts there and you used some language at the start, um, Dave, and you said exploded um, and costing billions of dollars and referenced that $50 million case, which just is extraordinary. Abby, do you have an insight on the impact of ransomware in Australia and perhaps some um, statistics or data that backs up how it's impacting Australians specifically? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Tara. And and great to be here with you and David and our great friends, uh, NAV. We've got a great partnership and really proud to be part of this podcast with you. David's right. Uh, What we've seen globally is a huge expansion of the business of ransomware into um, sophisticated business models which uh, not necessarily operate in Australia but they operate globally. So ransomware knows no borders. A victim of a ransomware attack in Australia is likely to be subject to a syndicate which is operating across multiple jurisdictions offshore which is what makes it so difficult for us to actually bring um, the bad guys to justice. And it's why, as David says, the best course of action here is to prevent an attack. And that's because once ransomware is downloaded onto your system, it's really tricky to get it off. Uh, Even the best minds um, in terms of encryption or decryption would find it challenging to reverse the impact of a ransomware attack. In terms of the impact in Australia, David's right again. What we've seen globally, which is an expansion of these syndicates and the number, the frequency, the sophistication and the extent of these attacks, Australia is not immune. It's happening to us too. By way of example, over the last 12 months, our uh, 24-7 watch team has received 450 reports of ransomware incidents impacting both big businesses and, as David says, small to medium enterprise are just as attractive targets. So 
for those syndicates as well. The, the sectors which are most likely to be impacted are sadly those sectors which are most likely to pay, and that's because they're under pressure at the time to provide services. So saddeningly, we saw over the last 12 months an increase in attacks on businesses that were providing health or healthcare-related services, including aged care sector. And that's just an indication of how those evil minds are working to target those most under pressure to keep their businesses going. I can tell you our 24-7 watch team and the businesses that they've been impacting, just to expand on David's point, um, impact of these attacks is such that it's, it's multi-dimensional. So the encryption of your website or your uh, business files will stop you serving your customers in that moment, and that's inconvenient and it's going to cost you revenue. But more importantly, stealing your data and threatening to publish it on the dark web, including commercially sensitive data or personal information, is going to have an impact for the reputation of your business. It's going to involve potentially legal obligations regarding the protection of personal data, and not to mention the financial costs of the incident response and the amount of time your business might be down, which could be weeks or months before you can actually get your business up and running 100% online again. So those impacts are not just financial and in the moment. They can really bring a business, particularly a small to medium-sized business, to its knees. I think that's so important to call out, Abby. I often feel like it's the unsaid impacts which um, are, are just as real as those financial impacts. So you know, thanks for touching on that as well. So ransomware is causing all of these uh, problems and disruptions and money and reputation and um, emotional well-being, all of those types of things. H how is it getting on into businesses? How is it getting onto devices? How is it distributed by the criminals? Yeah, great question, Tara. So there's multiple ways that ransomware can get onto your systems, but the most uh, regular or common way, you know, when we talk to businesses or individuals that it's managed to get onto their systems is through common spear phishing. So, so what's spear phishing? This is an email that ends up in your inbox which entices you to click on a link or download some files or it might look as if it's redirecting you to another website. And that email, as David said, might look as if it's actually from a trusted colleague or known partner. Uh, they're the best ones, the ones that are disguised as something that looks like you should trust. And once that link has been clicked, usually it'll download what we call malware, which is malicious software, so evil code onto your system, which is the beginning of a ransomware attack. There are a couple of other ways that you might be the victim of a ransomware attack. One involves if you have software or hardware that hasn't been patched, so what does that mean? So if you haven't got the most recent update on your software, so you've had that message that says update now and you've decided to no, remind me later, that's a bad thing to do. Always, always keep your uh, software and hardware with the most recent update. Why is that? Because with every single update, the people that are responsible for that code are hearing about vulnerabilities or bugs and they're fixing them. So if you leave those updates till later, 
you're essentially leaving your front door open and unlocked to malicious actors accessing it. And the most recent example of this is the, what we call the Microsoft Server Exchange vulnerability. You might have heard about it. So there was a vulnerability in that Exchange server. If you haven't run the patch for that, for the most recent update, then your door is open and there's potentially little holes that can be made in your system that malicious actors can access. So that's method number two. Method number three is kind of related to spear phishing. And this is where someone steals what we call your credentials. So your credentials are your login details and your password. So if you've been tricked quite often through spear phishing into giving up those details, you've let someone access uh, and come in the front door into your system. They're the three most common ways that we've observed. It seems that the mechanism of phishing is such a mundane channel but seems such a profitable avenue for criminals to utilise. I think uh, it seems to me anyway when I speak to people about phishing, they're like, ah, you know, annoying emails that are just spam and I can just not have to have a concern about them. Do you think criminals are leveraging, I guess, people's view that phishing messages are not really any material threat to them? Absolutely. And people often ask me, you know, why, why do they use such unsophisticated methods? And the answer is because they work, because people can't resist clicking on that link. So um, there are a variety of things that individuals and businesses can do. We, we, we especially ask businesses, there's great training packages that you can run for your staff to assist them in identifying the features of a spear phishing email. It's just like we say in relation to common fraud, if the offer sounds too good, it probably is. The other thing that quite regularly happens is protections. If someone does click on that link and the business has in place protections to stop that link being opened, uh, people need to understand that that's, that's a deliberate design mechanism. Don't continue to try and circumvent that protection because we've seen that happening as well. And if the request looks a bit strange, even though it's from a trusted colleague, or if it's asking for particularly sensitive details or access, even if it's from a sensitive colleague, take the 30 seconds to just double check. Did you really ask for this detail? Did you really want this reset? Did you really send me this link? Uh, because that 30 seconds that'll take you to double check will seem nothing with the alternative outcome, which could be weeks and months and potentially years of, of interruption. That's great, Abby. Thanks for touching on that. The unsophisticated mechanism of, of emails being, you know, it's such a great avenue for cyber criminals to be gaining access. So, you know, we talk about cyber criminals pretty broadly. Dave, can you just let us know a little bit about who is distributing ransomware? Who are these cyber criminals? Yeah, d yeah, definitely. As, as Abigail has said, ransomware is definitely a global problem and it's many people around and companies around the world are being held hostage by these cyber criminals and, and those victims are in the millions too. Ransomware is, is that is the go-to way for, for the criminals to monetize their operations and the example that Abigail gave before around those Microsoft Exchange vulnerabilities is a really good example. Microsoft released some patches in March. Prior to the release of those patches it was understood in the intelligence community that the nation state was using them for a hacking operation but as soon as the patches were made available, made publicly available and reverse engineered or, or worked out how they operate by the criminals, 
very quickly the ransomware operators jumped in and started exploiting those vulnerabilities and and then dropping the ransomware. But in terms of the who, you know, some of the more active and prolific ransomware crime gangs, and I'm going to give you a little bit of jargon here, but but I'll, I'll be very, very quick, I promise. Crime gangs like TA505 and Conti or Ryak and Revil, doesn't really matter what their names are. You may see some of those names in the media, but in most cases they're well, in all cases, actually, they're, they're criminal enterprises and mostly operating out of out of Eastern Europe. And they're, and they're motivated by financial gain, as we've been saying. There's a lot of money to be made here. There have been instances where nation states are behind some high-profile attacks. You know, a couple of years back in 2017, there was the, the WannaCry and not NotPetya attacks, which had, had links to various nation states. Uh, and sorry, and by nation state, what I mean, it's a, a hacking team or operation working on behalf of a government in a military defense, offense, or intelligence capacity. So NAB, we, we track these crime gangs and we you know, to try and protect our customers and the Australian economy at large. And we work really closely with Abigail's team and other government and law enforcement agencies around the world to track and, and try and disrupt their operations. But, but who's behind the attacks is probably not that important for most people and most businesses. As we've been saying, what's more important is understanding the threat um, and understanding what you can do to prevent a ransomware attack. And if, if unfortunately you are impacted, being prepared to be able to respond if you suffer an attack. So who, Abby, who needs to understand the threat and, and who's being targeted by these adversaries or these actors? Who needs to, I guess, up their defences and make sure they're ready for these threats? Uh, Tara, basically anyone who stores digital information could be a target. And, and as David said, we've seen increasingly ransomware attacks being used uh, more broadly than big companies that might have big distribution networks where you can demand big ransoms by bringing their business to uh, a halt. And increasingly now, ransomware attacks targeting businesses who hold what we would call PII or personally identifiable information or sensitive information. And it's not necessarily the encryption of those files in the moment, uh, which is uh, the most damaging, but the stealing of data and threatening to publish that on, on the dark web in a way which would embarrass or compromise or expose commercial and reputational issues which would damage that business and therefore people are under pressure to pay. So you don't have to run a big business with major customer interfaces to be a really good target. You simply have to have information, sensitive information of value, which you'd be willing to pay for to stop its publication on, on the dark web. As I said, those businesses that we've seen predominantly targeted over the last 12 months, months are those in the healthcare sector, but we've also seen a range of government agencies. We've seen the education and research sector targeted We've seen transport targeted and we've seen retail targeted. So anyone could be a, a targeted. Anyone with digital information that is stored, whether you're an individual, small to medium enterprise or big um, business is a good target for a criminal. So essentially everybody's vulnerable to being impacted by ransomware. So it's a good reminder to me, my computer's always saying update your uh, systems and I do have a tendency to pause so I'm definitely going to make sure that that is a priority for me moving forward as well but let's say that my computer does get impacted by ransomware 
Dave, can you talk to me a little bit about that? Can I just go to my IT store and can they fix it for me? What what channels or what do I need to do yeah. to to fix it? Yeah, look, you, you do need you do need specialist help to respond and recover from from a ransomware attack. And look, that can be in the form of your own IT or or security department, depending on the size and scale of your of your business, or you know, contracting a third party specialist um, incident response firm to, to assist. And, and some some larger companies also have those types of firms on retainer and available to support emergency incident responses required. There's a, there's a lot we would do, you know, to encourage people to prevent ransomware attacks. And we've talked a little bit about that, you know, so far. And we'll probably, I'm sure, we'll talk talk a little bit more about preventative and detective controls. In terms of response, you know, and my team do incident response for, for the NAB group. There's three three key steps that we think at at a, at a really high level. It's around containment, eradication, and, and recovery. So what I mean by containment, I mean stopping the spread of the ransomware and limiting the damage. So that could be disconnecting devices and, and, and stopping or killing processes. By eradication, we mean removing the threat. Now, with typical viruses, historically, you could um, run an antivirus scan and remove the virus and away you go. But the way these, this ransomware embeds itself in your system, it's very difficult to do these days. And, and we actually recommend, and most experts will recommend, that you really need to rebuild the, the operating system from scratch and reinstall everything. And that third step is around recovery, uh, restoring your data and safely restoring services. There's some, great, there's some great information out there on how to do this. And Abigail's team at the ACSC have published a a really good document in the uh, in their emergency response guide, which I encourage you to take a look at. But also, as we discussed earlier, it's also common in these attacks whereby you also see the theft or your data has been stolen. So you might think, well, I've you know I've removed the ransomware, I've restored my files from backup, and I'm done. But unfortunately, once you're recovered, you might still be dealing with a situation where your data or your customers' data is in the hands of cyber criminals. And again, these types of activities and responding to them do, do require specialist incident response skills. Uh, and we encourage you also to report the incident to the ACSC, again, Abigail's team, who can, who can assist. Essentially, there's going to be a group who you've said recover and use the information that you can recover if I don't have backups or that process wouldn't put me in a position to start trading again or start operating, I assume people are considering paying the ransom. Abby, what's the Australian Cyber Security Centre's stance on paying a ransom for the data? Thanks, Sarah. Um, I can fully understand uh, and empathise with the position, particularly of small business, when you're confronted with your lifetime's work building a business and the option to pay and get up and running again. But at the end of the day, the position of the ACSC is we will never recommend paying a ransom. And the reason for that is we've observed over a number of years the impact of paying ransom and the ways in which even those that pay will quite often become victims again in a number of ways. That includes the fact that once you have paid, we know because of the way these business syndicates work that the details of business that pays will be passed on and potentially sold on the dark web to other business syndicates who will regard you as a good target because of your uh, behaviour in the past and the way that you've responded to a ransomware incident. At the end of the day, when you're paying a ransom, you're engaging with a criminal who has no morals and no empathy 
can you trust that person that they won't actually publish or sell on your data? I would say no. The prospects of you entering into a good faith engagement with a criminal are zero to none. So it's not just the payment of that ransom, which is a singular transaction, we need to consider the broader ecosystem and the way in which that ransom will also fund the further research and development for those business syndicates to come up with new variants of malware and, and move on and, and have even greater impacts and more evil malware to disperse. Great point. So it's kind of perpetuating evil nature of the process and funding their ability to target and make other victims. So that's a great point. Paying the ransom isn't the best alternative. What can a business do to defend against the ransomware and make sure they're not in a position that they even are asked for that payment? So from our perspective, Tara, we always say defence is the best offence. And that is, there can be no other scenario other than ransomware in which that is true. And that's because some of the best technical minds in the country and potentially the world working with me and great international partnerships, once ransomware is on your system, it's incredibly difficult to get off. So you must direct your efforts at the prevention mechanism. We've mentioned a number of those along the way today. They include making sure your devices are always updated and if you can, putting them on automatic updates. Using multi-factor authentication. So, so what does that mean? That means having more than one way of authorising access to your system. So you'll know, for example, banks are awesome users of MFA, especially the NAV. You want to access your account. It's going to take more than one set of credentials before you can access. We talked about backups. Backups are so incredibly important. I've worked with a number of businesses who were victims of ransomware where having backups which are stored independently and away from other corporate systems and inaccessible on the same network has been an absolute lifesaver. And it's meant that those businesses have been able to restore their normal way of trading or interacting with customers super quickly making sure that you've got really good access controls so only those people who need the highest levels of access have them. So we call those privileged users. So your privileged users should be really few and only those that are absolutely necessary. That's about four or five tech, uh, top tips, Tara. But as David mentioned, we did launch last year and I just happen to have two here with me, ransomware uh, guides. These are available on fiber.gov.au. We actually split them into two. So one sets out very clearly the steps to prevent a ransomware attack. And we've got a red one, an emergency response guide for what to do if you are the victim of a ransomware attack. Just picking up on David's point, you can always call the Australian Cyber Security Centre. We have a 24-7 watch team. So someone is on the end of the line ready to answer your call no matter what time of the morning or night it might be. one three hundred cyber one is that number. Or you can go online, to, assuming that you can go online, cyber.gov.au, and you can lodge a report or speak to one of our operators online as well. What's really uh, important for us at the ACSC about reporting to us is that we are able to, and this has happened in the last 12 months, I've seen multiple examples, where 
entities that have been impacted by a ransomware attack have told us. And as we work with them through the incident, as David said, to contain it, and in the first instance to find out how did the bad guys get in, once we have that information, we're able to, without identifying the organisation which might be impacted, because confidentiality is foremost in our minds when we're assisting entities, we don't go out and talk about it. It's a like a doctor-patient relationship. It's completely confidential. But what we can do is warn out a whole bunch of other companies about the vulnerability or the vector that that evil actor has used to get in. And this happens all the time. So where we've understood how malware has got onto a system, we're able to put that into a public advisory and we will push that to all our ACSC partners. So any of your small businesses are welcome to become ACSC partners and you might just become the benefactor of a piece of information that forewarns you because someone else or some other businesses shared with us how the bad guys are getting into their system. That's fantastic. And I just think that's so wonderful, that sharing of that knowledge that you're finding out through those actual events and de-identifying and being able to share that more broadly is so powerful. Just before we jump into you, Dave, I'll just let all the listeners know that all of the links to the um, booklets and the handouts and the guides that Abby's just referenced will be in the episode notes so they'll be available for everyone to go and and review all of those tips um, that she did just cover off as well but um, Dave any more from you? Yeah that's that's excellent advice from from Abigail and we'd certainly echo everything that's just been outlined. One thing I would add though is just something really simple if your system doesn't need to be accessible from the internet don't put it on the internet and if you have to put it on the internet just make sure that it's patched patch regularly you keep it up to date as we've been saying but look um you know we've talked a lot about technology but cyber is not just a technology issue there's also a people dimension to it as well and i don't know you know very well tara people are often the target you know in terms of finding weaknesses in our defenses and this could be in the form of as we said again earlier tricking your staff to open a malicious email or attachment or click on the link and that's commonly how we see it and it is still uh, one of the the most prevalent or key delivery mechanism for somewhere being our, our staff, our people clicking on email. So there's a few things we'd encourage you to do as individuals, but also as businesses in terms of raising your overall security awareness, in particular around for your staff around phishing and social engineering threats. And so train and educate your st- yourself and your staff, look at and learn how to spot um, malicious emails. Teach your staff how to recognise potential threats, the basics like not opening suspicious emails, as we've been saying, not clicking links in emails, and, and importantly, not posting sensitive information online, um, including usernames, passwords, PII. It, more broadly, educating staff at cyber security is not just for me running a security team or for, or for Abigail um, or for our technology teams. It's everyone's responsibility, uh, you know, particularly across these businesses. If we want to be successful in defending against these threats, we need a culture where people practice safe cyber and technology practices. That's so good. And and if we don't share with people what how they need to act and how they need to respond to these types of emails or um, links or um, anything that's coming across their desk, how... How do we know how they will respond? Because on any given day, someone might respond completely differently. So just making people aware even of what a a phishing email looks like, I think that's so great. Thanks, Dave. You know, I guess if if a business gets impacted by ransomware, 
Dave, do you have any insight on like what's happening for them? How are they feeling? What are they going through during a ransomware event? Yeah, look, unfortunately, there are too many examples that we can that we can talk about where this has happened of you know, businesses impacted by ransomware. The, the Department of Home Affairs, as part of the government, published an industry advisory paper just last month on tackling the ransomware threat. And there's some really good case studies in there that that I think is worth having a read that you know that people can can learn from. One in particular that we talked about a wholesaler, a small business, you know, whose business is brought to a halt by by a ransomware attack, and effectively, you know, they are unable to process and ship and and pack their orders. They, like every ransomware attack, though, you know, they almost had two options in front of them. One was, you know, do I pay the ransom and hope I'll be able to access my files again and you know and, and deal with a, a criminal effectively, and you know, and, and all everything that comes with that, as Abigail has kind of called out. Or do I bring in some help and try and recover? And, and they spent four days around the clock recovering their data and their systems, and they're able to get their, their basic services back up on, back up online within that time. But it was it was really a month before before their whole business is back up online, and, you know, and, and running again. So that, that that's that's a month, you know, where your sales are being impacted, where where your customers are unable to kind of access your products or services, and it, and it cost this company an estimated uh, several several million dollars. Uh, in, in cleanup and recovery to, to get back to back to business. They also learned later that the data had been sold by criminals in the dark web and had been linked to a range of other attacks, you know, uh, impacting Australian businesses. So th- th- there's many examples, as I said, um, they can be as devastating as taking businesses offline and knowing how to protect yourself again and, and what you can do if you suffer an attack are just, are just so critical. That's great. Thanks, Dave. And that is such a long time. I wouldn't have had any idea that it would have gone on for, you know, four full days of outage and then over a month of actual um, impact and remediation. So that's some really great insights. Thanks. Thanks, Dave. So, Abby, if a business is am- impacted by ransomware, who should they contact for support? Dave said they need specialist support. Who, who, who is that? Um, and do they need to report it to anyone? You did mention that you can become a partner. Um, what do those types of things look like? Well, as, as David said, it's a ransomware attack, um, particularly for a small to medium enterprise who might not have a large dedicated IT business element, is going to need specialist support. So that'll take the form probably of an incident response firm. And there are a number of those uh, within Australia now that can offer those sorts of services. Uh, I won't name any in particular. Uh, David has explained, um, and they'll be self-evident. The other thing, as I said, is it's great if as soon as a business sees malicious activity or something that looks unusual, you don't wait until it becomes highly evident or likely or, in fact, explicit that it is a ransomware attack. You can call the 24-7-1300 Cyber One number at any time. It may well be that alerting us to some malicious activity means that we can match that with some of our other information holding in a timely way to prevent. So calling us as soon as you see malicious or unusual activity, or in fact, after that time, uh, because what that means is we can help and work with your incident response team. We do that all the time. We've got great connections across the broadest range of incident response teams where we can pair our information holdings and potentially gain insights that might help that business might help to understand what the entry vector is and therefore help the recovery process. 
And as I said before, most importantly, to be able to warn out other businesses so they don't also become vulnerable. And that's for any size business, Abby. You don't have to be a partner. Like if I'm a hairdresser or a, you know, a farmer, I can call call that cyber line. You sure can. Uh, we don't favour anyone. We take anyone who's impacted by a cyber incident. It doesn't even have to be ransomware. So that that number is for any individual, business or government. Uh, We do have a partnership program and we love to have people as partners because, as I said, that means we can actually push information out to you before you might see it in a media story or before you become a victim yourself. The details on how to join to become an ACSC partner are on cyber.gov.au and importantly, we have three different types of partnership uh, membership. And so we can tailor your partnership in a way that best suits your needs as either an individual or a big business or a small to medium enterprise. Oh, that is so good. And I would imagine that is such a helpful service for those that don't have, you know, specialist IT support or a really broad range of that tech knowledge in their business. So that's fantastic. David, I've heard a lot about cyber uh, cyber insurance recently. So can you talk to what role might that play in a ransom scenario? So a cyber insurance policy can help protect organisations from the costs associated with a ransomware attack and help minimise the, the disruption, the business disruption during during an incident. But really important that it's insurance policy is considered as one component of a broader strategy around uh, managing cybersecurity risk. These policies can cover costs ranging from incident response, as we've been saying, business interruption, system damage, even regulatory fines. They can also cover extortion costs around reimbursing um, ransom payments. And it's that last that last one that's kind of causing some concern out there. There's been reporting that criminals will target organisations with insurance as it increases the chance they'll, they'll receive payment. And there's also been reporting that criminals are trawling through the data that they've stolen as part of a ransomware attack, looking for insurance certificates, and the ransom demand is set at the same amount as, as, the, as the insured amount. Lots of Australian organisations are, are taking up cyber insurance, that's expected to increase, and the prevalence of ransomware you know, will likely only increase the cost of, of premiums. That said, we'd encourage all businesses to, to look at it as part of a comprehensive strategy and make your own decision. But look very carefully at the policy to make sure you, you're very clear on what's, what's included and what's not. We're almost at the end of this very interesting episode. And just before we close off or sign off, is there any last bits of information that you'd like to share? Or where can you guide our listeners to find more information? And just as a reminder, I will have that all, all of this information on the episode notes as well. Thanks, Tara. So so at our end, I can't say it enough, cyber.gov.au, you'll find a whole range of advice there for your listeners. And really importantly, we've divided that advice up. So as soon as you go on that website, you can identify whether you're an individual, a small to medium enterprise, a critical infrastructure provider, a government entity or a big business. If you click on which one best identifies with you and your information needs, it'll give you a whole bunch of advisories. Become an ACSC partner, and you can read about the that service offering on cyber.gov.au. If you need immediate advice, 1300 Cyber 1, and each one of 
the state jurisdictions, we have what we call a JCSC or a Joint Cyber Security Centre. There's one near you. Then find out on cyber.gov.au what information sessions are available and feel free to pop in and have a chat. Thanks, Tara. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of great resources out there, Tara. And I'd also encourage our listeners to look at cyber.gov.au. As Abigail has said, it's a great, it's a great uh, resource. One, one, um, one paper up there in particular that, that we pay careful attention to is the Essential Eight, which provides top strategies around mitigating cyber threats, not just ransomware, but, but, but all sorts of cyber threats. So well, well worth a look. Uh, also, on our own NAB website, nab.com.au slash security, Great resource up there with cyber safety tips. Again, not just about ransomware, but information about the latest fraud and phishing attack, uh, alerts, uh, tips to protect yourself. And there's also some awesome uh, short training courses up there as well, which are available to our customers. And I think they're available anyone, to anyone, Tara, to, to have access to. Yep, they sure are. So we have a range of information on nab.com.au forward slash security available for anybody. So you don't have to log in to access that. And they are pretty awesome if I do say so myself. So thank you both so much. Your specialist insight into this topic is really appreciated. You've talked so much about how it's impacting Australians and we really just want to encourage our listeners to go away consume those documents and the links and sign up to be partners and get a handle on where your business is sitting from a cyber hygiene perspective and just make sure that we're defending ourselves against cyber criminals so more money stays with us and less money is going to fund their activities. Abby, Dave, thank you so much for your time today. It's been fabulous. Thanks, Tara. Thanks, Tara. Well, what a fascinating episode this has been and there are some clear actions that we can take away from what Abby and David have just shared. Prevention is better than the cure. You can head to cyber.gov.au and have a look at the Ransomware Attacks Prevention and Protection Guide, which provides practical steps such as how to turn on automatic updates, two-factor authentication and information on creating a cyber emergency checklist. Additionally, the Australian Signals Directorate Essential 8 is worth reviewing to ensure your security defences are meeting their recommendations. Awareness. You heard it from Abby and Dave. The most common way ransomware is distributed is through emails. Phishing or spear phishing. So do you and your team know what to look out for and how to act if you do think something is suspicious? Make sure that this is something that you consider as part of your overall risk processes. Know how to respond cyber.gov.au have ransomware attacks emergency response guides available online and anyone can call the Australian Cybersecurity Hotline on 1300 Cyber 1 1300 292 371 for immediate support from the response team. I also strongly encourage you to report any cyber events through to the Australian Cybersecurity Centre's Report Cyber Tool which is an online portal for individuals and business to report cyber incidents. Reporting cybercrime not only helps the person making the report, but it also helps the Australian Cyber Security Centre build a threat picture which helps keep everyone more secure. Also, as Abby mentioned, you can consider becoming an Australian Cyber Security Centre partner to increase your cyber resilience and access all of their timely alerts and advice. At NAB, we also have a range of security tips, tools and training at nab.com.au forward slash security including guidance on setting up a security awareness program in any business, large or small, 
Because as we've just heard, criminals are indiscriminate and no one is exempt. All of the links and information we discussed in this episode can be found in the episode notes online. Thanks again for joining me today, listeners. And thanks to Abigail Bradshaw from the Australian Cybersecurity Centre and David West from NAB for making time to bring this message to us today. You can find this and more episodes of the NAB Security Podcast at nab.com.au Security Podcasts. Take care and stay safe.